Hello, this is Randy McDonald with Tommy Castro and the Painkillers. You're listening to Talkin' Blues, and I really hope you dig it. So how are you? <laughs> I'm great, man. I'm in the middle of a of a great tour. I'm sitting in uh, I'm sitting high above New York City. Well, maybe two flights up, but uh, what does New York City mean to you when you come here? What 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 do you think of? Wow, when I was growing up, my idea of a large city was Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is coincidental <laughs> because we just passed through there yesterday, right. and I you know I saw the skyline in the distance. And so when I was young, I thought Harrisburg was just such a big, dirty city. How small a place did you come from? Like, where, where, what's I was right across the river from Harrisburg. Okay. And, um, and it, it, you know, in relation, it's a pretty small city. Now that I've, uh, you know, I moved to the West Coast, and since, since then, coming back and seeing places like Chicago and New York City, uh, then returning to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, <laughs> and seeing that, I'm thinking, "Wow, this is really uh, not what I remember." Because um, when I, at being small, it seems so big. So um, I, I love the the grandiose feel and the um, you know the international flair to it, the culture, of course. Um, the city I grew up in, the city I moved to in California is San Diego. Not the most culturally diverse city. Uh, I then relocated as an adult to San Francisco. Right. And San Francisco is a culturally diverse city, and I love it for that. I loved raising my daughters there, uh, playing music there. And, um, and it compares, um, getting back to the question, it compares to New York City. Um, but... In when you're on the road, way. I mean, I, I know you just drove in today. You're probably getting out of here tonight. Do you get to see much? New, like, do you ever get to enjoy New York City that much? Well, um, there are occasions, and I, I look for those occasions when I can place us in an area for more than a day or two and kind of centrally locate. We're staying over in Jersey. Right. So we actually pulled in there last night. Uh, and got into the city this afternoon. So the guys have been in and out of here and checking out the city. I've been pretty busy. But tomorrow, I'm going to have most of the day. um, And then we play over in Jersey, close to the city. So we're going to have most of the day to explore and and do as we like. Um, I... My time is cut short because I'm tour managing and I don't get a lot of time. But I look for those opportunities. Right. So, so we're staying in that same hotel for three nights. I'll get out and I'll definitely see that neighborhood at least. Right. Um, and then, you know, getting into the city early today, it was, just, it was just exciting driving in, you know. At what point of the tour are we at right now? I, I believe we're about... Um, Seven shows in, eight shows in. Um, I started in San Francisco. I, I I often volunteer to get the bus out to the 
beginning location right because i don't mind driving i like driving alone and and i take opportunities along the way i stop at stop at salt lake where i have good friends and do some recreation there maybe and then i meet the guys i met the guys in wisconsin on this trip um and so we've been i picked them up about 10 days ago so we've got another we got another month into this thing and how does it feel now at this point is everything on all cylinders working on all cylinders I, yeah, I think at this point we're probably all still uh catching getting up to speed but like it, within the next week it this unit starts to tick you know yeah. after playing night after night after night the music gets better the band gets tighter it's funner because it's tighter um yeah, we get we we get a little more fatigued and. Uh, At what point would this fatigue set in? I, you know, I, there was a there was a period about ten years ago, and I I kept amazing myself. I thinking I have more energy on the road than I do <laughs> when I get home. When I get home, I have trouble getting things done. Right. But when I'm out here, I can I can just I can just bounce from gig to gig and task to task for days and feel feel pretty damn good about it i i wake up in the morning every morning and try to do uh 20 or 30 minutes of stretching a little meditation and things like that that always makes me feel better and starts my day off better so i know you're you're the tour manager i want to get into that that role but can we go back and tell me how you first got into the bass how did you first get into music? Oh, sure, sure. Well, my father was a musician. Right. And he played with a band a few times. He, right? he did sit in with the band a few times. He sat in with the previous band of mine, and it was always a great occasion and, uh, and, and exciting. He was a trumpet player and a singer. Started me out on trumpet. So was he a professional singer? I mean, he, he, um, he got himself through college, singing and playing. And um, gave it up shortly after that, but he still moonlighted at it. And uh, I, I, there were periods where he gave it up entirely. And I remember him picking it up again um, when I was a teenager. I remember him picking it up again and forming a couple of groups around San Diego and working quite a bit. So you would do like weddings, corporate parties? Weddings, like clubs. Um, casual stuff, very casual stuff. He wasn't on any kind of a, a, a club circuit. When I say clubs, it would be more like uh, country clubs, <laughs> right, <laughs> things right. like that. Um, and um, and then and then he st- and I didn't hear him sing so much with those groups. They were doing Dixie and stuff like that. But then I heard him going out to piano bars to sit in and and singing. Uh, ballads and stuff like that and that that floored me because i hadn't heard him sing that much wow and um i have some of his records um interesting story about him recording when he was young Um, some of these were done when he was a teenager um but i i did my own record on the wild side Mm -hmm. available on heart and soul records or or maybe not available um, <laughs> and I, uh, I brought him in to overdub some trumpet parts mm-hmm. with our old sax player, Keith. And, um, 
it took my dad a little while to get used to having the the headphone mix and overdubbing. And he, you know, he says he was getting a little frustrated. He says, you know, you gotta understand. The last time I recorded, we recorded into a mic, and the needle went straight into the wax. <laughs> Directed this. So it was more than live. Right. So he he uh, he got a handle on it, and of course Keith, you know, uh, helped him through it, and we got some we got some great stuff recorded on that. That must be and, neat and, to work and as with you him. Said, he's sat in with us before, and, and, and he's got a real simple, smooth style, uh, uh, a Louis Armstrong, you know, economical style, all about the tone. So. so, him being a musician, and you said he tried to get you to play the trumpet in the beginning, what did he teach you about music? I don't know if he was that interested in me. <laughs> going down this right fast forward to the success of this band I don't think anybody was more excited than me being in this group right. and the success of this group than him but I do have to be honest as a youngster I don't he, he wasn't that nurturing of a parent to begin with and he wasn't that encouraging about me going into the musical field okay so if he I he inspired me to right um I mean, it, was it you would look at him and think, I want to do that? Well, he wasn't doing enough of it to do that. I don't know what really spurred my interest. I mean, initially I wanted to be a rock star. You know, I wanted to be the next Mick Jagger, but um, that position was already <laughs> taken. And still taken. By Peter Wolf. Or, yeah. So, so you know, I, I quickly realized that the bass... Was I, the way in really? Just and you know, every kid and every kid around with a heart on wanted to be the guitarist, right. right, or the lead singer, including myself. And I, re I quickly realized the bass would be a, a fast way in. Meaning Everybody what? needs a bass oh, player because okay. there's an abundance of guitar players, right? And it worked. And um, did you start with guitar first? Bass. Okay. No, I went straight to the bass. <laughs> I gave up the trumpet years before that, but I, but in my in about fifteen, I was eager to get in with the rock and rollers, and I wanted to be a rock star. I know Stax was a big thing for you, right? Well, that that came on later. Okay. So in San Diego, where I was, most of my friends, it was a, there was a couple of contingents of my friends. There was one big contingency of the hard rock, right, in the seventies. So we're talking about like Deep Purple. And the, yeah, well, yeah, we were all influenced by Deep Purple and Robin Trower right. and um, Sabbath. There was another contingency of Roots guys that were deep into the blues. And, um, and of course, somewhere in between there, there was, there was um, the group I kind of fell into, we did we did a almost almost like a Stones cover band. We were doing a British Invasion and Stone stuff, and and I always went. I always leaned more toward the blues, and uh, and eventually stepped completely away from the rock. What age are we talking about? In my teens, and by the time I was by the time I was a a, a senior. 
I would really wanted to learn about soul music and um, and one of my I, I moved I moved away and I started ski bumming in Utah of all places and I saw a blue-eyed soul band when I was about 20 and these guys were doing picket and you know and Bobby Blue Bland and stuff like it was the Dynatones and they were stepping and singing and I just I just this is the, this is the place for me. This is great music. You, you knew know? that at that and moment. I, I, I already had I already had been introduced to to the soul music and stuff like that. Duck Dunn was quickly becoming one of my favorites, and of course, uh, I was very exposed to him from the Blues Brothers thing, you know. Um, and so uh, I I started playing more and more of that music, and then I eventually joined that group. Yeah. Yeah. So how many how many years later did you join that group? Um, they were I think they probably came through yearly. I met them one year. They came through the next year, and I met the um, I met with the leader again, and I told him I was interested in having my group open up for him. So we we traded info, and he called me a few weeks later and said, uh, I said, well you know where do you need us to be? And he said, I just need you. <laughs> so he had seen you play. He heard our demo tapes. Oh, really? Based on that? He heard our demo tapes. He said, and I, 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 you're a nice guy. You got good hair. And I, I, it sounds like you play okay. <laughs> Thank God for the and hair. He tried. He trusted. <laughs> Was Tommy well, in the th- band? Thank God this is uh, audio because my hair is nothing to boast about these days. <laughs> I would say my hair's that. not going to get me any gigs these days. <laughs> um, was Tommy in the band already? No, no. Uh, f- uh, fast forward uh, from me joining that group, it was another nine years or something like that. I, I was with that group almost ten years. Tommy, Tommy came along in the last year. Oh, wow! And um, I had already kind of made up my mind to leave when he joined. Okay, before that. Did you think that this was what you were going to do as a career? Oh yeah, you knew this. Oh yeah. At what point? Did I mean, you know I was that? I was real lucky to be picked up by the Dynatones because the band I was in prior to that, we were just happy to be playing, kicking around the Rocky Mountains and playing clubs and stuff. But I got, but I, I at a, at a point in that group, I did say, you know, we'll, we'll have fun with this. We were Joey Boots and the Heels, and I said, I said to the guys, you know, we'll have fun with this. And if if anybody's lucky, something good will come out of it. And I met the Dynatones, and I and I got out of that group, and I moved to San Francisco, and no turning back. But, but you knew that you would pursue music. I really hoped it would work out, and I got that lucky. I got that lucky break. And and it wasn't you know it wasn't like I I joined a, a huge band. We were out there slugging it out for years. But they were working band. all the time. Oh yeah, I loved it. I was immediately on touring the country. And getting back to these cities, and yeah. and, it, and and I loved it, um, and, and I can I could talk more about the story of start leaving that band and then starting this band, but I never did answer your question about when I picked up the bass. <laughs> yes, I, well, I, I guess I sort of did. I said I picked it up because there weren't enough bass players right. around, and uh, and and that got me got that got me a jump start. And then, um, so did it come to you easily? Did playing no. the bass? No, no, no. 
I didn't want to. I didn't want to read. I didn't want to practice. I just wanted to get on stage and play. <laughs> so the discipline, the discipline wasn't there. Uh, it never was. I really just learned to play by doing so many gigs, you know. And the and the Dynatones was a great learning experience. Right. The leader Walter um, had a great record collection and he would always make mixtapes and take them on the road and insist that we learn, listen and learn. And, and that, that was, that was huge part of my schooling. That was, that was great. And, you know, and eventually I realized, well, I've got to learn to play this stuff right. And I, I never got the discipline, but I did practice and learn. So. Okay. And then Tommy joins and decides that he's going to go off. Tommy just Tommy joins and uh, and I, upon leaving I said Tommy you're the best talent I've seen in this band in a long time because we had a little rotating right, right. thing and uh, I said man I hope we could do something together because I think this is gonna work for me I'm, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be in this band for a while I said all right give me a call if you need me and I don't know six eight Ten months later, he called me from the road. He said, it's time to start my own band. Are you in? <laughs> I said, yeah. Okay, so what... Because I, I, I get the sense that you guys are very close and have been for a long time. I know it's a business partnership, but I get the sense that it's more than that. Oh, sure, sure. Well, like I said, I, I, I knew... I saw his talent immediately when he got in that group and recognized it. And... Um, and we 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 appreciated each other for for what we were. We weren't the most trained musicians, but we we were raw and energetic and and wanted to play as right. much as possible. And we I think that was the mutual thing that that sparked our relationship. So when we formed the band, our work ethic was strong. I mean, it was like let's work as much as we can. Let's take this as far as we can go. Each gig's going to be a stepping stone. And and th- through during that period and with that hard work, we, we yeah we formed a great bond. But it was also a step back, right, from being in a band that was doing a lot of gigs with the Dynatones. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we immediately with Tommy because of his charisma and his, you know and and his relationships that he'd formed around the Bay Area both San Jose and San Francisco, and I mean, all over Northern California, we were able to start working a lot, right away, a lot. And I was working close to home. I wasn't having to travel and, you know, and and my expenses were much lower when I was doing great, just working at home. So, because I remember Tommy once telling me that his goal was to travel the world. Yeah. But there is that thing of playing locally and establishing yourself, and it's easier. You get to go home a lot more or whatever, and then making that leap to other parts of the world, which is a big leap, and it could cost you money, and it could be... How, how did that happen? How did growing your audience base happen? Well, wor- working at home... Um and he tells the story a lot often on, on stage, but it, it allowed us the time to start writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, start developing a sound, a unique sound. And we, and we did develop a unique sound immediately. They were, they were doing ensemble parts with the guitar and the tenor because uh, they, you know, they were the lead instruments. There was no other chordal instruments 
four-piece, tenor, guitar, bass, and drums. So they created this ensemble parts between the two of them, and, and um, that became a unique part of our sound. And um, it was recognized by Blind Pig Records, and um, they gave us the opportunity to, to join the label, and we knew immediately we were going to be Tommy was going to have to step really step up his songwriting, and uh, and we would have to get the release out and get on the road, and and we were excited to get things going, and immediately I was the default tour manager because he knew I I was the logistics guy, and I I've always kind of taken that role, and he would be the creative and the band leader, and that's that's been an, another part of another basis of our relationship is we complement each other's skills. So taking on the road manager role, because I don't know if a lot of people understand what that means. I mean, obviously you have to figure out the logistics of where you're gonna go, how you're gonna get there, where you're gonna stay. Yeah. But tell me what, what that role is. Well, a lot, of people, a lot of people will say, so you do the bookings. No, no, the, we, have, we have a full-time booking agent handling right. that, of course. But um, I work closely with the agent. I field all the offers. And then I start, we, together we start working out the routing for tours. Um, and then when the tour's booked, I start working on the logistics, what it's going to take to get everybody there, um, how long we're going to stay out, where we're going to stay. And this is stuff cetera, like not even just how to get to one place to another, but sometimes you're going to have to leave the bus somewhere take a flight somewhere, sure, yeah. right? and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually those scenarios came in. When we first started out, it was like, n nobody's affording to fly anywhere. We're all getting in that van, and we're all driving across the country, and we're all for one. And right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, in, in many ways, it was simpler back then, even though we didn't have f phones. <laughs> <laughs> we somehow, we managed. Yes. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it was simpler back. Then. It became more complicated the more far-flung we went and the more dates we picked up on tour. When we first started touring, we weren't getting gigs every night. We would get maybe four to five in a week. Now we're touring with the bus, and we're able to work every night, and we want to work every night because we'll rest at home when we get home. You know. And what are you going out usually three to five weeks? Are we, we commonly do two tours four to five weeks one spring one fall then we do two uh, other two to three week gigs um, that'll just be regional northwest or southwest in the uh, in the winter time right and other than that it's a lot of it's just one-offs and and flying and stuff like that so when you say you, you need to sit down with the agent and figure out the logistics and feel the offers how, in, how much in advance are you working on a tour? Well, we eventually started fitting into to a pattern. Um, like I said, one fall tour, one spring tour. Right. Eventually, eventually, we figured out to stay away from the, the Midwest in the dead of winter. We figured it out eventually. Uh, <laughs> how long and, did it take? And, and sometimes you do have to... to um, concentrate around a release right. a CD release so sometimes it will take you out but but we've been able to, to manage all of that at reasonable timing in a pattern 
with one spring, one fall tour. And, uh, you know, we're working on our, our fall tour for next fall. We've got, we've got a, a region where we're going to be. We've got a few of the anchors in place, and now we just start surrounding that and uh, capping an end and a beginning to it. Okay, so once the tour happens, you're basically, I mean, you're working on the tour way before it happens. And oh, in this case, oh, yeah, yeah. So um, we're, we're working on booking uh, the fall now. I'll be working on the logistics of that, you know, as early as July. And I presume no tour is the same. It's not like, oh, we did this last year. It's the same places. Well, we do have the luxury of, of now that we're in this pattern. A lot of it is repeat. So a lot of it I can, I can email the guys and say, hey, we know the drill, right? Is it, you know, is, is it all, does everything check out from last time? Pretty much. It's never identical. Right. But, uh, you know, for instance, last time we were in this building, we played downstairs. Now we're upstairs. Um, you know, we we, um, we were able to bring the bus in because they could, said they could park the bus out here. And commonly in New York City, we'll leave the bus in Jersey. We'll bring whatever gear we can and then fill in with whatever they have in the house. But having that, having that bus here means we have our home here. Right. We have every piece of gear we need. So we had the luxury of doing that today. And that, that fell into place. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, you know, working that stuff out. Okay, and then the other thing is, other than being the full-time bass player, being the road manager means you're the first one in the building and the last one out. Commonly. <laughs> and even before that, you're working out deals in between yep. gigs. <laughs> so how, how easy is that to discipline yourself so you're not burnt out or crappy or whatever? <laughs> You know, I, I, I really enjoy it when we show up and there's no surprises. How often does that happen, though? <laughs> I keep it pretty well. Yeah? Okay. Pretty well organized, yeah. And, of course, especially on the, on the, the gigs that we know. But, um, no, I, I, I advance things very thoroughly. And, and there are commonly no surprises. Everything, our, our tours have been, if I can say so, have been pretty, pretty well oiled uh, in the last several years. We've, we've gotten this down pretty well. And how much do you think that contributes to the success of the band? Oh, greatly, greatly. If, um, you know, if we're not well rested and well fed, we're not going to have good shows. Right. Um, I'm not sure how it, you get well rested, though, <laughs> just because of all the things you do. Uh, you know, because the other thing is, well, every time I've dealt with Tommy and to do an interview, it's been through you. So you're not only dealing with venues and logistics and where to park the bus, but you're dealing with media. How do you keep that all straight? And like I said, I I, I don't I it. I find joy in, in getting things organized and having things run smoothly and no surprises and taking care of my band. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and, and enjoying myself, you know, showing up and, and, and a lot of these venues appreciate a, a group that takes the time to get things situated ahead of time. Right. Uh, yeah, a lot of people go, oh, you're on the bill with another act and we go, hey, do you know what, what their production needs are? They go, no, we haven't seen anything from them. We're like, okay, well, <laughs> which you know, which is many many times typical. 
But that's what, I mean, that's what motivates me. And I guess that's what, that's what maintains the energy. Because I know, I, you know, I, I know if I just keep my head straight, keep a positive attitude, the energy comes. The other thing you mentioned before about your dad not being too, not supportive, but he didn't push you towards music. I know, I believe your daughter is into music. My daughter, um, is, her career's really taken off right now. She just released her full, her full um, record, her first full record. Um, she's released many singles and videos over the years. She's been at it about 15 years, but she just released her first full record. Uh, her name is Blimes. The record's called Castles. Um, I started, she, she and her sister both, her sister's five years younger, they both showed an interest in singing uh, immediately. They both have beautiful voices and great ears, much better ears than I do. I don't know where they got it from. Their mother's not musical. Um, so they showed a real interest in it, and she first said she wanted to learn drums and be a drummer. How old? And I said, oh, that was probably eight or ten years old wow. and I said you know what let's get you a chordal instrument and learn you know let's let's learn some harmony and theory and uh, uh, melody and then if you still want to play drums we can we can move there but then you'll then you'll have this in your in your skill set and I just taught her the remedial guitar that I know because I never really did play learn the guitar I learned few things along the way but I just turned showed her the remedial stuff she was almost immediately accompanying herself on guitar uh, a few years later she began writing her own songs then she discovered um, freestyle and started battle rapping on the playground and stuff like that and uh, and then she started writing her own hip-hop material and she's always had a gift for the language um, not only did she, does she have a voice and a musical ear, but she also has a gift for the language. Whether she's writing journalism, poetry, uh, editorials, whatever, she always was able to form the, form the sentences, form the stories. Very eloquent speaker. So she, she became a natural performer, and, um, and now, finally, it's... it's breaking out and um, looks like her career is going to blossom. She just did a show in Berkeley Sunday night and it looks like it was a big success. Really wow. record release show. So, so yeah. I mean, being in Very the business. Very proud dad. I'm sure. But being in the business and you know how tough the business is, right? And you're in a band that's pretty well known and that's done well, but I would presume that you'd be the first one to admit that it's not an easy business to be in. Right, so you can kind of understand maybe where your dad came from and not encouraging. Yes, of course. So how do you deal with that with your daughter? Well, is it just she? Well, well, she has a lot of other. She has a lot of other things going for her. She she was very sharp in school. Uh, Not only the gift for the language, but you know she 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 handled math fairly easily as well and and other subjects too she got great grades she continued on um with a a couple of college years and you know and 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 a career ambition um to 
be possibly be a forensic scientist or something like that. So I was pretty well convinced that if she didn't make it in music, she'd have something strong to fall back on, and she wouldn't have any problem making it either right. way. Oh, okay. So that didn't. So it didn't. It didn't concern me that she was picking the musical path, and I knew. And I knew she has the work ethic to to jump into it. Um, I was. I was Coincidentally, I was watching a video from her show in Berkeley Sunday night, and she, between songs, she started talking about how tough the business is. And she said, I watched my dad lick stamps and put stamps on every postcard that they sent out when they first started out to thousands and thousands of fans, and they made the connection, and they made something for themselves, and and, and she said, it's all about making that connection. I'm so lucky that the internet happened and now we're all connected. And, you know, and she said, but she said, she said, that's where I got my work ethic from. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, she's, then she just, she spirit took it into a spiritual place and said, oh, we all connected, you know, and she's, she's a real, real motivator. But, um, so no, yeah, no concerns about. Did you ever have a talk with her? Do you ever sit down and say, well, I don't know. Like, do you, does one? I never that? discouraged her. I hope that's not what you mean. Uh, no, I, I had, I, I definitely had encouraging talks with her along the way, especially when I knew she was gonna do whatever it took to to get there. And you also um, had her on the road. We took her on the road too. I was gonna mention that, and uh, and she was eager to go, not not just to come out and earn a little bit of cash with us selling our merchandise and driving the bus. But learning along right. the way, and 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 she um, she really credits Tommy and myself for for helping her learn learn uh, the best way to manage her own career. Well, I can imagine it would be a, it would be amazing to have that access to see how you guys do it. Yeah, I don't know if I can ask you this, so tell me if you don't want to talk about. It. But a few years ago, you stopped touring. Sure. Can we talk about? Oh that? hell yeah. yeah. Okay, so. How difficult was that? I don't know what the circumstances was. I don't know if you want to even talk about that. But at what point you left the band? Yes, my my wife at the time was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh. Uh, when she first got diagnosed, I couldn't stay on tour. I told Tommy I had to leave the tour and go home. We got a great replacement uh, substitute mm -hmm. to finish it out. It was just a few more dates on the on the end of the tour or whatever. Uh, three or four months later, it was time for surgery, and I said, I've got to be around for this, and I've got to be around to help her heal, to help her get through this. And, you know, we've had a great, we've had a great 10 years, but as is any relationship, we had our tensions too. You know, right. even though our tasks are separate, we, you know, we, we still had, we still had frustrations oh, with yeah, each other. Sure. Which, which what would not, I would not have spread us, sent us apart. I don't think so. But so I was first concerned for her. And then the other thing to consider was, yeah, well, how long can we keep this mutual relationship and this band going so well? You know, maybe this, maybe, maybe it's better I step away now anyway. So I did. There was there was no design for me to come back. Um, my wife got through the, her her procedures. She's still healthy. Okay. Um, the marriage didn't last, however, 
And uh, so four years later, it was time for me to get back into music. I, I, I stayed in the Bay, and I got, I got day jobs. How was that? I like? got real work. It was, I was a fish out of water. I, you know, but, I, but I kept positive. I said, I can learn something here, and maybe I'll find something else that trips my trigger and gets, you know, gets me motivated like music does. I didn't. Did you, find, did you play music during this A time? little bit. I, I went to jam sessions right. and things, um, but not much. Not much at all. Um, so four years later, it's time for me to start thinking about playing again. And I thought I could be a sideman or start my own group. Either of those, I'd still have to keep a day job to right, stay yeah, alive, yeah. right? Yeah. Or I could approach Tommy and see if he's ready for a change. And the guy who was my substitute ended up with the with the full time position, and um, a great bass player. Yeah, great monster bass. Diff- very tough shoes to step back into. <laughs> <laughs> a huge talent, a great guy, Scott Sutherland. Yeah. We're talking about. Of course, we don't need to keep that hushed. Um, and so I decided to approach Tommy and Scott. Scott wasn't relocating to California. It was kind of making it stressful for Tommy. Right. And so he thought, well, I can have Randy back and I can have my tour manager back. He didn't have anybody right. really stepping up and handling the tour manager duties. So he, he looked at that. He weighed all that and decided it was time for a change um, anyway, and, and he made some big changes at that point too, which is, you know, when Keith took retirement, he was ready to lose the, the horn position and, and create a little different sound. Mm-hmm. So it, it was difficult to, uh, to, to approach Tommy, leave the band, never by design to come back, but it, things just have a way of working out. I remember talking to him before it happened, and, and I just said, how's Randy? And I, I just, you know, I, I could tell at that point what it, your friendship meant to him. So, you know, and he told me that you were going to come back. What did you learn from that experience? Oh, man. Well, I came back with a brand new perspective and, and probably more, uh, more gratitude for what I'm able to do, right. uh, you know, to, to make a living. Because um, it's, it's amazing to be in a band like this, right? Like not everybody gets to this level. No, and and has very few the do. fan base. That very few do. do. Not that we're at a not that we're at a huge great level, but but we make we make ends meet and we make our own music, and uh, and we enjoy it and people enjoy it and n- not every musician gets to have that kind of gratification. No, and you have and, a bus. or the monetary. Yeah, well, I mean, you, and you also travel the world. Yeah, so which I still love. I love every bit of it. People complain about flights and early mornings and bus rides i love every bit of it really so touring doesn't get to you but i guess having that the four years must have also helped sure yes because i can't imagine how many times i know what it's like not having this gig and not having a gig and uh and how long did it take and feeling like a fish out of water yeah so did you ever feel comfortable in that Role in in that different no. situation. Uh-uh. Wow. Well, I'm glad your no. wife is doing well. I was I was I was trying to develop some business ideas and some things of my own that might you know might turn roll into a passion. Um, for for whatever reasons, partly you know mostly economics at that time. Uh, I I wasn't prepared to pull the trigger and go into my own 
business or my own field. So that didn't happen. Um, but you and, could have been another, I mean, you could have been a road manager for another band. Sure. That would have been an option. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I would still, but I would still miss yeah, the performing. Because sure. <laughs> like I said, I love all aspects of it. I, I like my my managerial chores and I love performing. So, Do you have any other hobbies? Oh, I'm, I'm fairly recreational. Um, I, I, um, when I told you I stopped in Salt Lake on the bus ride out, I went, I went ski, skiing. I, I pulled into Salt Lake at 2 in the afternoon. I was on the slopes at 4, and I skied till 8 in the evening and then rolled on the next morning. Wow. So I ski a little bit. I still surf a little bit. I meet my buddies down in Mexico a couple times a year, and we go surfing a little bit. Um, those are those are my big hobbies. Um, that, that's pretty good. Yeah. Plus this band, um, I, you know. You, I know you have to. You're actually doing a show in like 30 minutes or something. So, thank you so much for doing this. I, I've always wanted to talk to you. You've always been very kind to me. So I, I really appreciate you taking yeah, well, this time. We have spoken many times, but never, never across the table like this, and and uh, never you've never asked me these interesting questions. <laughs> giving me the opportunity to tell my tale and it's fun yeah no as, i mean, I've as, always wanted to meet you and, and get to know you better as, so. as everybody just found out i don't mind talking a little bit <laughs> he can talk thank you so much thank you mm-hmm.